Hello, kiddies. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to Three Guys in a Flick. The good, the bad, and the gruesomely absurd. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. This process might seem overwhelming, but with a little practice, it can soon become a pleasurable experience. This is perfectly natural. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Barbarian. Beware spoilers. Coming to you from an Airbnb on Barbary Street, my name is Don. And to my right, we have the comic book guy, John. Ciao, baby. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Slowly but surely dying. Hi, guys. Welcome fucking back. We've had a couple weeks off there. How you guys been? Aces, baby. I'm exhausted, and I forgot my hat. Oh, I'm sorry, bud. Um, Listeners, if only you could see John without his hat. And he's wearing a button-up shirt, and it's kind of throwing me off tonight. It's weird. Yeah, but we're going to embrace it. We're going to change our perspective and and everything with the silver linings. We're not judging you. Not at all. The wife says I have to grow up sometime. Hey, if you have to do what you're told, then more power to you, bud. That's all I can say. It's the power of suggestion. Whatever you want to call it, I'm in. She has the power and she made the suggestion. Yeah, well, good for you. How about that? Um, Listeners, as you may or may not know, our comic book guy had the wonderful opportunity to go to Italy. So how was it, bud? Good. Okay, thanks for that recap. Yeah, awesome. And uh, during this break, uh, this little hiatus there, big guy, what have you been doing? Uh, I've been keeping busy. Mostly I've been focused on my little baby girl. She's moved over to Spain, and she just got over there a couple hours ago, landed in the apartment. So now life begins again, and I'm moving forward now without her. Well, bud, you got us. So always remember that. And Katie, I know you're listening. We love you. Be smart. Go show that country what you're made of. And if something goes wrong, one of us will has watched Taken, so. I will find you. Oh, I already told her. I mean, she didn't have to worry about that. Okay. Yeah. And plus, you know, I like to, I'm going to go ahead and say this, buddy. We raised her on some horror films, so hopefully she, she knows what's what. So. Going back to my whole Italy thing that I said was good. Uh, hey, you had your opportunity, but you wanted to be funny with good. Well, I want to make a connection to tonight's movie. Besides the fact of staying in, in a number of Airbnbs along the way, some, you know, three, four hundred, five hundred years old, these houses that were just, some of them were, could have been like a film, the good horror movie in. Uh, we also got to go into uh, several different catacombs and into the necropolis underneath the Vatican, which has really primed me for, you know, when I came back and watched Barbarian and seeing that underground tunnels, it just reminded me of that whole thing. Oh, sure. Sure, absolutely. I'm glad, glad that I did the Italy trip before watching Barbarian. I'll just say that. Well, good, good. Because, I mean, you know, the power of suggestion as you once just said. Um, yeah, I could totally see you thinking that. I would have probably maybe thought The Descent as well. 
right? Because yeah. you're underground. But uh, you've seen The Exorcist, yes? I have, in fact. It, it starts in Catacombs and Tombs, too. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Well, as for me, oh, oh thanks, guys. How thanks thanks for fucking how asking. How are you doing, Don? I had a good couple of weeks. Uh, I was in L.A. for a while. We did the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 tournament. And then uh, I got to see you 2 in the Sphere in Vegas. And then last weekend, uh, Professor and I, uh, we made a little movie in 48 hours. Yes, we did. And when this comes out, listeners, the movie will be premiering this Monday. And so. then hopefully a couple of weeks after that, after the awards show, we'll be able to actually post the movie. Oh, right. Yeah, because it's after the award show, fuckers. You know what? If I'm not getting an award, I'm not. I'm fucking releasing it early. I don't give a fuck. Okay. So I don't know. I I've heard good things about, it and I think you guys did a phenomenal job from the sound of it. Well, thanks, buddy. Um, it wasn't the same without you. Of course, it was. So tonight we are talking about Barbarian. Barbarian comes to us because, well, it's our Halloween show, and it was the professor's turn to pick, and so I'm going to go ahead and ask you, buddy. Uh, why Barbarian? Well, I saw it a while ago, and when you asked me what's your Halloween pick, I decided to pick Barbarian because I think it's freaky as fuck. Huh, interesting. Interesting, interesting take. Um, All right, so... was uh, Had you seen this movie before, I, Don? I had not seen this movie. Had you? I had not either. Oh, yeah. So uh, two first-timers and The Professor. I, I think it was an excellent pick, Professor. The boy, he had me sit and watch it a little while ago. And I got to say, it was quite the roller coaster ride. Which is funny because he was here maybe a half hour before you guys got here picking up his gear. And we talked about that. Oh, right on. Yeah. Did you guys look up how this movie got its name? Why it's even called Barbarian? Well, it's because the director put it on the script and it just stuck. But it doesn't have any barbarians in it. And I know. It has I, nothing to do with barbarians. I understand that. Well, the definition for barbarian, the, the first definition for barbarian is it's an uncivilized person. A second, the second definition is an uncultured person. The third definition is an aggressive person. And so I think those aren't, in, the second and third ones, those aren't entirely off the mark. So I feel like that, yeah, it could be, it could be called barbarian. I don't think any of those are off the mark. All three. I think they all fit. Yeah. And I've heard three possible reasons. You just brought up one, Don, which was, I think, uh, the address that's on the house matches the same time that the barbarians invaded Rome or something like that. The director's already ruled that one out. The other idea was that the, the words Airbnb fit into the title of barbarian. That's a little iffy. I like the third idea, which is, uh, if you look at it, it's a Airbnb on Barberry Street. So technically it's a bar it's a Barberry Inn. So Barbarian. Well, there you go. Yeah. I was pondering if it could have also been called Barbaric. Oh. And Barbaric because I don't know. I, I was just thinking Barbarian? Well, I don't know. But Barbaric, that is a cruel or an uncultured person. So it's like eh, when I looked at the definitions, no, Barbarian works better. And Barbarian is also, I think, very, uh, very effective for the beginning of the movie. And we'll get into that. Released on September 9th, 2022, Barbarian was directed by Zach Kreger. Screenplay by Zach Kreger. And it stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long, and a bunch of other inbred siblings. 
How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $4.5 million, and it brought in $45 million. Which is really, really nice, considering the director, uh, Zach, had a hard time getting any studio to latch onto this. And when they finally did, they turned quite a nice little profit off of it. Yeah, absolutely. The themes in this movie is obviously a lot of focus on trauma, sexual trauma, uh, assault, things like that. Did you get that from the, the vibe from this movie? As soon as she finds the bed in the camera, yeah, it, it took me to that place. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really hoping it wasn't that because I think it's a cliche way of uh, using it in a horror movie because mm-hmm. it's been done a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And if it's done right, uh, sure, creepy and makes you feel uncomfortable. But in this, um, I guess I was just hoping for something more with what I got in the previews. One of the things I really appreciated about this movie was normally, you know, I try to guess ahead of what the the theme of the movie is being, what the direction of the movie is going to be all the way to the outcome is just something I do. And when we started watching this movie, it seems to be going in one direction. And when they get down into the tunnels and everything, it completely switches and goes a completely different direction. So it's something that I really appreciate about this movie is it really threw me for a loop. Yeah, there you go. This was directed by Zach Krieger. Do you guys, uh, Krieger, Zach Krieger? Yeah, that's what I think too. No, I know nothing about the guy. I uh, looked him up, and I didn't recognize any of his movies. He was in a show called Wrecked on TBS years ago, and it was like a direct parody of Lost, and I really enjoyed that show. And he was actually pretty funny in it. And I was surprised that he was the guy that directed it, and he kind of started off in comedy. Um, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. That brings up a good point, too. I guess this movie has been labeled, besides being a horror movie, a dark comedy. Did you see any dark comedy elements? Maybe some of Justin Long's portrayal? I didn't think there was anything funny about this film. They had jokes and they had comedy intertwined with it. But, you know, what horror movie doesn't? It kind of brings the levity when it's supposed to be. Kind of like Bill Skarsgård saying, what do I look like a monster? Yeah, I mean, come on. You have to look at that and go, wah, wah. Yeah, I didn't think of this as a dark comedy at all. It has one or two dark jokes in it but not very many. Uh, definitely a horror movie. Yeah. I would definitely categorize this as a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what'd you guys think of Georgina Campbell? I thought she did phenomenal. I was actually really impressed with her in that, you know, we kind of see a whole transition from her in the beginning of being, uh, just fearful and very skittish. And by the end of the movie, she becomes a pretty good final girl. Yeah, um, she definitely starts off very cautious, that's for sure. What do you think of Georgina? I thought that Tess, the character of Tess, was a, uh, a rich character. She comes across as somebody that is uh, uh, streetwise, and she is very cautious. But more to her, she is somebody that is, I think, inherently good. And she has the opportunity a couple of times where she could have left and she doesn't. She steals herself, she turns around, and she goes back in. And her character wanting to help and to do the right thing, I think, is an enduring trait of hers that makes her the uh, the shining star of the movie. Yeah, there you go. On that point, quick question. Of the times that she went back in, whether it was first going down into the tunnel or, you know, going back in through the window or, you know, going to help AJ, uh, all that stuff. 
at what point in this movie uh, would you have said, fuck that, I'm not doing it? Uh, the moment the house got double booked. You wouldn't have gone in the house? Fuck no, I wouldn't have gone in the fucking house. The whole entire city sold out? Well, well boo fucking who? Keep driving. Yeah. For me, I think I might have gone in the house, but when she pulled that little cord and that door popped open and there was that little tunnel, fuck no, I would not have gone in there. The moment she said, nope, yeah, I'm right out the door. Yeah, Don, what'd you think of Georgina? I thought she did a very good job. I believed it. And what I liked about her character and kind of the way she was written, every time I had a question, like, why the fuck are you not getting a hotel room? They explained why. Or, um, you know, she reasons with Bill Skarsgård, um, if this was reversed, this, that, and the other, and there's no way I would have let you in, kind of, you know. It was just smartly written. Agreed. I thought she did a really good job. Mm -hmm. I liked her. Uh, I liked the cast. I thought the cast was good. Uh, what'd you guys think of Bill Skarsgård? I didn't realize he was going to be in it so briefly, but what'd you think? For me, I, I was surprised again by his such a small role, but this is where I was talking about earlier of the direction I thought the movie was going is I thought this was going to be one of those cliche, he says he's all innocent and he looks all nice, but really he's the one who's got the photo, you know, photography or videography room in the basement where he's kidnapping women. And this is the whole ploy. He makes it look like it's a double booked room. So I really thought he was going to be the bad guy of this movie. Yeah, what do you think? Well, certainly the first 15 minutes of the movie, there is so much doubt thrown at us, the viewing audience. It was very, very challenging to decide where should my allegiances be with Keith? Is he somebody that we should trust or is he somebody that we should fear? And I thought that that was very smart writing and very smart directing to have him be such a question mark. Sure, sure. Um <clears throat> I thought he did a good job. I thought he was creepy at first. But the problem for me was in the trailer, they show him in the hallway crawling, asking for help. So I know he's not in on it. Bummer. Yes, I didn't even see the trailer. Yeah, so. see. and But the trailer very much makes you think that he's the bad guy from the opening, from the opening shot. And the trailer, I thought the trailer was wonderful. The trailer really set it up and I thought it was really going to be good. And I'll just say it now. I wasn't happy with the payoff, but that's just me. And we'll, we'll get into that when we do it. Justin long. What'd you think? I always love Justin. Long. How can you not? Right. I mean, I, I honestly, I can't even think of a movie, even the movie Tusk where it wasn't, you know, wasn't the most critically acclaimed movie out there. He just always is a fun character. He's all, it's always a fun actor. Yeah. I like Justin long. The only other place I know him is Live Free or Die Hard. No, it's not. Where he else? reviewed another movie he was in. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. But once again, I don't remember. Dodgeball. Okay. Still, didn't remember. Another actor that we didn't mention was Richard Brake. He played Frank. What would you think of him? We, I know we didn't get a lot of him, but what do you think of him as an actor? Uh, I think that his look is very sinister. So, mm -hmm. I bought it. Did you hear about... Uh, one of the screenings of this movie? I did not. He went to, when this movie first came out, he went to a theater to gauge the audience's reaction. So he sat behind some people, I think it was three women, who were watching the movie and they were getting into the movie and they were getting very scared by the movie. And as they were leaving, he was walking behind them and he wanted to get their opinion. So he kind of, you know, I don't know, he somehow got their attention. They turned, saw him, recognized him as Frank, and screamed and ran off. Yeah, well, 
he has that presence. Yeah. Uh, did you hear what other director uh, had a little bit of hands in this movie? Uh, no, I did not. You can kind of get the feel for it. Jordan Peele was kind of, he's a friend, I guess, of Zach, and he kind of put in some input into this movie. Oh, right on. So you can kind of feel that whole nope vibe. <sighs> Is it trivia time? Why, yes, Don. I believe it would be trivia time. In our continuing pursuit to crown the master of movie trivia, I've prepared a series of questions related to the movie we are reviewing this episode. Please wait until I finish each question before answering. Tess arrives at the rental house in Detroit to find that it's double booked. Why is she in the city in the first place? Job interview. Very good. What is the key box code? 3317. 9331. It is 8331. She initially thinks it's 8831. So I would have accepted either, but it's 8331. Okay. According to the email instructions, what time is checkout from the Airbnb? 11 a.m. Very good. I just totally guessed. According to her cell phone, what time did Tess arrive at the Airbnb the first night? 11.59. You got a guess, Professor? Mm-mm. Well, you were close. It was 11.16 p.m. What service did Keith use to book his homestay? HomeAway. Home home, is it HomeAway? HomeAway. Get Very the good. fuck out of here. That was a good guess. Thanks, buddy. Regarding Tess's job interview, what does Catherine James do for a living? She's a director? director? Well, she makes documentaries, so I'll give you guys a tie on that. Returning to the house on her second day in Detroit, Tess is chased inside by a... Hobo? Homeless man? Homeless man, I think. I don't know. What's the definition of a hobo? A homeless man. <laughs> well, actually... well, I always think of a guy who rides trains. Oh, for fuck's sake. He's got a definition. Hit me. Well, a hobo is somebody who wanders, and they're not necessarily homeless, but they choose to wander. Ah. Oh, so they might have a home, but they choose to wander. Yes. I got you. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what, and, what, and they're unemployed. What's What's the answer there, guy? It was a homeless man. You're correct. While describing his sexual encounter, what song does AJ reference in the bar? I don't know. I don't know. He says he has the eye of the tiger. Tess, having spent time in the tunnels... Believes her captor wants to be a... Mother. Mother. Congratulations. The movie culminates in a battle atop of what? A water water tower. tower. Very good. And for the final question, what type of animal hangs from Tessa's car mirror? Snake. Very good, Don. I believe we have a tie this round, so that has us as a tie overall. Congratulations, guys. Thank you. Hey, man. Tess Marshall arrives at a rental house in a rundown Detroit neighborhood of Brightmore on the evening before a job interview. However, she finds it has been double booked and is already occupied by a man named Keith. Initially unnerved by Keith, Tess warms up to him and decides to stay the night while Keith sleeps on the sofa. When she wakes up in the middle of the night, she is shaken to find her bedroom door has been open, but Keith is asleep and assures her he did not touch the door. The next morning, Tess goes for her interview and is warned not to stay in the area near the house. 
Returning to the house, she is chased inside by a homeless man who yells at her to leave. She accidentally locks herself in the basement and stumbles across a hidden corridor leading to a room with a camcorder, a stained mattress, a bucket, and a bloody handprint. All right. Uh, so what did you guys think of the opening of this flick? I like how it starts off, you know, in the middle of the night. I think it was raining, whatever was going on. It gives that sense of urgency, like, you know, she's frustrated, she's tired, and she just wants to get inside the house. Sure, sure. I I, I thought that it was a very strong opening. Uh, we it's, it's black, and we open to a, a black screen and the sound of rain, and then you get a, a thunder sound, and then we are revealing this house at night with the porch light on, and the car pulls up, and the music starts intensifying this ominous sound, this ominous music, you know, starts to build. And she opens the lockbox and there's no key. She calls the realtor, call me back. And then she gets back into her car. And then, and then you have that bung where you see that the light come on inside the house. It's like, Oh shit, there is somebody in there. Right. What the hell? Right. And so then from there, she rings the bell. The guy answers the door. Turns out that, you know, that's supposedly apparently been double booked. And, you know, why don't you come inside and we can call these idiots. And you have this rising ominous music and the trepidation on her face. And, you know, she's like, I've got a bad feeling about this. And then you get that side shot as she starts walking into the house and then Barbarian comes up on the screen and you're thinking, oh, he's the monster. And there's a couple of little insects crawling across the the uh the letters of barbarian and i just thought wow this is mm. your thoughts don well the whole opening bit and even uh, up until the next morning is probably my favorite parts of the whole movie she comes in and they find out that it's double booked and the whole conversation the whole time i'm thinking bill skarsgård is kind of creepy or maybe he's socially awkward. Who knows? And there's so many times that there were red flags. I'm thinking to myself, fuck, girl, just leave. Right? But the writing explains it away. And it, it is logical. And I thought the buildup was great. The one thing, there were a few things throughout this movie that bothered me. And one of the key things that bothered me in this whole opening sequence was she was creeped out in the beginning and still a little bit iffy. She even tells uh, Keith... If the roles had reversed, she would not have let him in. Yet when she goes to sleep at night, wouldn't you have locked your door? Well, I think at that point, uh, they had already bonded. Uh, she felt obviously very comfortable with him because they started drinking together. And she, like we said, she was very cautious to begin with. So he wins her over. And when she finds out that he's part of a band or, or something that she likes, uh, the entire mood changes. And um, they start, you know, having a drink and getting to know each other. And I feel like she felt comfortable I don't at know, that I, point. I still would have locked my door. Okay, but there's some, there's something that does happen at that moment because I noticed that she doesn't lock the door either. And right before, right before she clo she closes the door, what do they say to each other? He says good night, Tess, and she says good night, Keith. They don't just say good night. They use each other by name. And there is a moment that both of them are debating, Yes, should we kiss? Yes. I, I noticed that, too. There seemed to be a little bit of tension between the two of them. And they were having a good laugh a few moments before that when they were putting the cover, the cover back on, right? Yeah. 
I don't not buy her not locking the door that first time. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But, but then, you know, she goes to sleep. She wakes up. The door's open. She hears some sort of a, a, a creaking floorboard, and then you get some sort of a weird cat-like sound, right? It, it, this sort of startles her awake for right. just a moment. It's yeah. like, what was that? Yeah. Yeah, and she goes out, and she finds Keith having a nightmare. Yeah, he's having night terrors or something. Yeah. He's kind of freaked out, too, and, and he was. she was like, did you open my door? And he was like, no. Did you mistrust him at this point? No, because he was asleep. Was he really asleep, or could you have thought maybe he was faking it? You could think whatever you want. I took it as he was asleep. Okay. Did you think he was faking it? I still was questioning whether or not he was going to be our bad guy. If he was our bad guy, then yes, I would assume he was faking it. Huh? Well, what about you? Did you think he was faking it? No, I thought that he was truly asleep because yeah. of the sound that we heard that jars that 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 pops her eyes open didn't sound like somebody having. Uh, some sort of a night terror it it sounded too different mm -hmm. and so she goes back into her room and wisely locks the door this time i didn't expect us to get to the next morning i thought this per the kind of trailer i was uh expecting this to be like a one night deal so them cutting to the next morning kind of shocked me there was a moment right before she wakes him where she's standing there looking at him and the, uh, in the foreground, Tess takes up pretty much center to left frame. And then there's the hallway and then the darkness of the wall and her bedroom on the right frame. And as she exits the frame to the left and she's starting to move towards Keith, we are, uh, we are shown that there is a door at the end of the hallway that closes. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, and I started to think at that point that maybe... Maybe this is true, and maybe Keith isn't a bad guy. Maybe there is some third element, or Keith's working with someone. Maybe. I, I took it as maybe something supernatural. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was uh, waiting to see what, where this took us. Right. And so we have the next morning, and we have the note. And the note did not make me think that he was doing something hinky. It felt genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think she, I think there was weirdness when she woke him up and they both went to bed weird, but I think that note says, hey, don't worry about it. We're still cool. Um, for me, if I'm test, I'm, I'm packing and leaving, right? Because my job interviews then, and then I'll find somewhere else to stay probably more toward to get home. I think I'm leaning towards that direction as well. But we wouldn't have a movie. Mm -hmm. And then... She heads out to her car, and what the fuck? Well, before she heads out with the note and everything, the reason why I felt like she might have wanted to come back that night is because of what we talked about earlier, the little bit of tension between them, and maybe she was coming back because she was specifically interested in Keith. Well, yeah, probably. But as they go out, she goes outside and sees that neighborhood, did you catch the foreshadow? No. Did you? Did you, Don? No. One of the houses with the graffiti sprayed all over it had sprayed on it death from below. And that was purposely put in as a theme of what was about to come next. So she goes to her job interview and everything seems to be going wonderfully. And then after the job interview, I like how uh, the gal that Tess is interviewing with, she's like, where are you staying? Right, more. And the, the lady's what? like, what the fuck? Are you, <laughs> get out of there. Are you kidding? Yeah. 
Come on, guys. You should not be there. I mean, if someone's telling you that, what are you doing? Right? And then the ominous music comes back as she's driving back into that neighborhood, and you're looking at all of that desolation, and you know that there is nobody around. Have you guys ever stayed in an Airbnb kind of in a neighborhood like that? No. No. I don't take I don't typically put myself in horror movie situations on purpose. So yeah, that's a no there, buddy. Yeah. When she gets back to the house, you get this bum come rushing up to her. Hey! Hey little girl. Did you think he was nefarious or did you think he was just trying to warn her? I think that he was nefarious, but now we understand at the end of the movie that he was actually trying to warn her. And that's what I first thought. Because I felt like what the filmmakers were trying to do thus far, him actually trying to attack her is too on the nose. So I, I had a feeling um, he was trying to warn her or save her. For me, it's it's come down to just every single horror movie this has ever happened in where a homeless person or somebody comes running at our hero early on in the movie, they're always trying to warn. They've always... They've all seen something. They all know something. And so I never took it as nefarious. I took it as you should be listening to this guy. So she gets into the house and Keith's not home yet. She starts calling, looking for a place to stay. And she can't find anywhere. Conveniently. She sits on the toilet. And of course, there's no toilet paper. Of course not. Why would there be? Until she finally finds some down in the basement. And then whilst looking around in the basement... I did think this was pretty cool. The string opened the door a bit. Well, first of all, doesn't the basement door lock or close and lock her in before she does even the string thing? Yes. Yeah. So she's already now locked into this creepy-ass basement and then finds that string to the door. That rope through into the wall. This brought up my whole, I think, second issue with this movie was uh, looking at the room that was back there and then later on looking at the tunnels... When did Frank have time to build all of this? Well, I'm guessing he's been there for like 40 years. Yeah, but still, that is an amazing amount of digging to have done to create that whole intricate underground layer or whatever it is. And what do you do with all the dirt? All the dirt. Uh, you know, he had people living down there. Uh, it was pretty clean for what it looked like. I mean, that room was stained and all that. But there were no bones. There were no, like, leftover food. Uh, there was no, like, remnants of clothing, things like that. It was, I don't know, maybe he's a psychopathic uh, clean freak. Maybe. Maybe he's a psychopathic clean freak. You think Well, uh, I would say uh, just before we even meet Frank, you know, she opens the door. She goes down there, and she sees that room. She sees the room with the bed, the uh, video recorder which tells me it's uh he was doing this since the 80s because that was very much an 80s video cassette recorder did you catch that we got a hint of her own intelligence when she propped up the mirror to give light down the oh absolutely thing? so we got to oh, see she, that she's not a I, dumb girl no well i got that from the opening okay i mean other than her actually staying mm. she justifies it and it logically makes sense and she was technically right. He Keith never tried to do anything. She woke up safe. Mm -hmm. She got to her job interview. So her shining the light down the hallway, I thought was a brilliant move. And, so what, she, and what she says. Which was? Nope. Oh, classic. Because she's not stupid, but she's curious. Mm -hmm. And this is, well, this is what happens when you're curious 
in a fucking horror movie. So uh, we get to that room, and I I think this is kind of where I went. Uh, awesome. I thought that the music during this time when she is when she's heading down that dark hallway towards that dimly lit room, it felt a little reminiscent of some music from The Shining. A little bit, yeah. I, I, I can see the correlation there. Uh, that reminded me, when I saw the room and the camera and the bed and the stain in the bucket, it reminded me of Seven. So she looks at it. She freaks out. She goes upstairs. Oh, no, she's still locked in the fucking basement. She goes to the window. Yeah, she can't fucking get out. But Keith is there. At, at this point... Uh, oh, and you, she has the keys to the fucking house with her, too. Yeah. At this point, Don, did you still feel like maybe Keith is our villain? No, I know. Uh, like maybe this is his room? Mm-mm. No. I didn't, I didn't get that vibe at all. Oh, okay. No, not once. And because they explain away his motives for being there. He's there in the band. They've already connected. So at this point... He could have been making all that up, though. But he wasn't. I know, but we don't know that. She doesn't know I, that. Okay, but it, I, well, it's, hang it's on. such you, an obscure hey, poll. Well, hang on. He's saying that we don't know that. I knew that. How do you know he's being honest? Because he's not the antagonist of this film. Okay. I, at this point, I didn't know that. So I, right. I was mistrusting everything he was saying. And so they forced the window open. She gets the keys. They open the door. And I think at this point, she goes up there and she says, you know, there's a bucket and uh, a bed and a camera. And Keith's trying to make sense of it and trying to process it. But the fucker has to go look. For me, at that point that I saw that room, I would run on the phone to the cops. I, or at least out of the house. Right. And well, and they have done a pretty good job of uh, establishing, and they'll do it a little bit more later, that the cops are kind of useless here. Yeah, but you don't tamper with evidence. You don't Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Uh, the issue I had was Keith actually going in to take a look. Because mm-hmm. as soon as he goes to take a look and she says, I'm staying right here, I think to myself, hey, this is how horror movies start. Mm-hmm. And sure shit, here we go. What did you think of this whole bit? I thought that uh, the, the lead up to it, to the reveal of the room, I I thought it was so impressive watching her walk down that long, dark hallway to find the doorknob. And then when she finally does walk into the room and we're looking from back by the mirror and then we watch her uh, exit from the light into the darkness and as she goes into the room, it's just like brilliant. And then having her trying to process all of this and, you know, she just vomits this at Keith. I can understand Keith's, you know, uh, I don't want to say skepticism, but he wants to understand why is she feeling like this? Why is she talking like this? That I sort of buy that why he is willing to go down to take a look. Stupid fucking idea. And I would be willing to just let's go ahead and just call it good and done. And we should just pack our things. But he doesn't. And having having him go down there, I have to say, you know, when, when she calls down from the top of the stairs... And, you know, I, I, I just think, why doesn't he say anything? Why is he so quiet for so long? He's quiet for way too long. I could tell you why. Do you want to know why? What do you think? He's got a mouthful of boob. <laughs> no, that wasn't funny? No. I thought that was hilarious. Do you see it? We're going to revisit that. Yeah. Later. Okay. We'll come back up now. Keith? Mm. This is where, for me, it went all Blair Witch with the uh, Keith lightly in the background. Oh, 
Yeah, there was a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was a little bit mm-hmm. of that. Keith returns to the house, frees Tess from the basement, and investigates the hidden corridor. When he does not return, Tess follows him and finds a subterranean tunnel attached to the hidden corridor, where she finds Keith injured. The pair are attacked by a naked, deformed woman, credited as the mother, who kills Keith. Two weeks later, the house owner, actor A.J. Gilbride, is fired from a television series over allegations that he raped his co-star. Pressured to sell assets to pay his legal costs, A.J. travels to Detroit to inspect the house before selling it. A.J. finds the hidden tunnel and tries to measure it, believing it may increase the house's value. The mother attacks A.J. in the tunnel, and he falls into a hole where he meets Tess. A flashback to the 1980s shows Frank, the house's original owner, abducting women, raping them, and keeping them captive in the tunnels where it is implied that he rapes the offspring. So, yeah, uh, she goes back down there. She's looking for Keith. And she hears him faintly yelling out for help. And then she finds him. And she has her cell phone up, right? And, you know, this is just so great to have that be the only reveal. We are being revealed just as it is for Tess in that light. And so when we have Keith suddenly come crawling in, it's just like that's that was freaky as fuck. One no. thing I appreciate uh, besides, you know, I always joke about my oh fuck moments and Keith's death was definitely for me an oh fuck moment was, did you notice that every time the mother kind of came into play, you could slowly see her coming in, you know, coming into the light from the dark? Uh, I noticed that a couple times, yeah. uh, not in this bit. I, I didn't remember seeing her like that, but, uh, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I like how Keith is saying that something bit me, something bit me. Yeah. And it's at this time where I was talking about Tess earlier. This is where she reveals her character, that she is going to go back down to try to find Keith, even though she's scared as fuck. And when she does, I can't believe the argument that they're having because why in the world would Keith want to go where he just crawled away from, right? Yeah, that was kind of weird. Tess wanted to go back the way she came, and Keith wanted to go back the way he had just crawled from. Right. Right. That that don't make no sense. No. And obviously it was the bad decision because out comes the mother. And this bit uh, took me by surprise. It was kind of like an oh fuck moment. It was one of two for me is when she starts bashing his head against yeah, the fucking wall. Just oh. the brutality of the kill. Yeah. It was yeah. just so barbaric. And I thought to myself, the professor picked this. So well played, sir. Well played. I did. I did enjoy that part. And then. It takes a right turn, and we cut to black, which I thought was pretty yeah, horrific. And that's, if we ended the movie there, I probably would be happy. <laughs> Did you think at any moment when we switched now over to AJ's story that Tess was dead? Uh, I had no idea. Uh, I didn't have one thought one way or the other. I assume she wasn't because, I would A, I would be shocked that they killed her because they went to a lot of effort to show us that she's smart and that she's brave and what kind of person she is. And And for her to get her demise and not, and us not see it or just to get her demise in that way, I would have felt uh, that would have been pretty cheap. So I was hoping that she wasn't dead. I, I knew that she had to be alive just because how much the director is having us invest ourselves into tests. We see so many 
face reaction shots of her and how she's reacting. You know, we, whatever she is feeling, the director is working very hard to make sure that we are feeling what she is selling. Right. Right. What about you? Uh, I have to agree with you. The fact that we had invested already so much into her that she had to be alive in some capacity. I didn't know if she was going to be completely whole. If, you know, the mother had eaten her legs, who knows? But uh, I felt like we were going to be revisiting her. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But we cut to Justin Long's character, AJ. He's driving in California and he's on the phone with, I'm assuming, his manager and agent. And they're talking about uh, the sitcom that he's on and that they've got some bad news for him and that he's being accused of rape. And his and his story arc just tanks, nosedives in the, what, five minutes? Yeah. I mean, Ho- holy this, cow. This just guy is getting just, worse. Yeah, this guy is just torn down. So what did you guys think of this whole bit up until him going to the house? It was so out of left field. It it was so jarring to have what we had for right before we got to AJ. And then all of a sudden we're on a sunny coast and he's singing along on the radio. And, and then, okay, yeah, his life is going to shit. But it's like, how is this the same movie? But it's got to be a part of it because it's it's here in the movie. The director wants us to have this. We need him for the movie somehow. So it was a strange turn, but, you know, in the end, it, you know, well, we'll get to it. Yeah. Well, and for me, it took me out of the movie completely. Yeah. Before uh, Justin Long was given the role, do you know who the role was offered to? Zach Efron. Zach Efron. Could you imagine him in that role? Yeah, but he also wanted that character to be way different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director wanted the character to be more of a frat boy mm-hmm. as opposed to an unassuming kind of guy. So completely different opposites. When Zac Efron turned it down, that's when the director changed the character. I did find it interesting with everything going on with, you know, accusations in Hollywood and cancel culture and all that, that the director kind of weaved that in to see it from, you know, an, an actual person's point of view of being accused of something like that and how it, you know, how it's destroying his career and putting him in a position where now he's got to, you know, find some money real quick, things like that. So it kind of made sense that they kind of worked it in, that that's how he gets led to the house because he's got to sell some property. Yeah, sure. What would you think of the bar sequence when we actually get a cameo from the director? That's who plays his friend in the bar. What, uh, when we find out that he's actually a fucking douchebag? Yeah, that he kind of admits his guilt. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was a scene. Again, it, it his whole presence outside of owning the house just takes me out of it. Yeah. it. It doesn't, to me, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. So once he's in the house, it, it kind of works. Okay. Kind of right. You know, whose stuff is this? Why is the basement door propped open? And what, why is all this stuff here? Did you get the, uh, when he goes through the suitcase and finds the book, Jane Eyre, did you get the meaning behind that? No. In the book, Jane Eyre, there is a subject or subject line of a, older woman who goes insane and is locked up oh there you go so that's the connection to this movie wow but uh i think right off the bat you know don kind of mentioned it we do definitely get the sense that aj is a complete douchebag and i i couldn't believe the whole idea of he didn't even care when he found the basement uh you know that extra space all he cared about was oh more square footage 
and he just kind of blows off the whole camcorder, stained mattress, all that stuff. He's just thinking money. Yeah, well, he thinks he's perfectly safe. Yeah, he's very selfish. You can see it, you know, already initially. Oh, I, this is going to be a very selfish character. Oh, I got that from the moment we met him. Yeah, that's the yeah. way he was written from top to bottom. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny that he pulls out the tape measure. I think that was added for a comedic element and to bring a little bit of levity because of what is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he uh, Justin Long's character AJ's a fucking dick. Yeah, we we hear about you know allegedly rape and then this can't be happening and then from there then it's his money guys. You're out of money in a couple of months and I'm dropping you at the end of the week and he you know he's just like oh come on and okay but you know it's when he gets to the bar. And then he lays out the rape. And then when he gets home and he does that drunken phone call to the victim, he just comes across as just a complete douche. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's nothing likable about this character, which means, yeah, that's what's going to be his role in the movie. And okay. how it comes to play in the end, I guess we just got to play it out and see what mm-hmm. happens. And yeah. The scene where he is trying to measure everything out and then all of a sudden the tape measure starts getting pulled. What'd you think of that whole introduction of, oh, yeah, he's about to get fucked? I was fine. Uh, you know, it was inevitable. And uh, the tape measure gets pulled out from him and it starts uh, wrapping up. And then he gets attacked by the mother. And then what it was kind of a jump scare is when he falls into the, the, pit. the pit and then te- there's Tess. And Tess is telling him, shut up, calm down. I love, I mean, I don't know if I'd say I'd love it, but... I really appreciated how Tess was calm. Did you notice that? She was calm. She was logical. She's like, I've already figured this out. She doesn't like people who freak out. If you remain calm, you'll be fine. She just wants to be your mother. Yeah. Yeah. No, it that didn't surprise me. In fact, uh, that just goes to show you that uh, she was a very well-written character. Mm-hmm. And uh, more often than not, women are more calm than men. <laughs> yeah. I like when his light goes out that there's this heartbeat sound that begins and it, it, it increases. And then all of a sudden, you know, the mother forces AJ to flee and he falls into the pit. I just love that heartbeat sound that we get right before he falls into the pit. So would either of you have nursed on that baby bottle um, with the hair sticking out of it? Yeah, well, I mean, you're trying to stay alive, right? And if Tess is telling you to do it, and obviously she's already done it. I think I you know. could easily fake that you're drinking it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. I guess from one of the things I read, the hair on the bottle was an accident. They didn't mean to have hair on the bottle, but it looked so good on camera, they kept it. Sure, happy accidents happen all the time. Actually, right before the bottle, that's where we get the cut back to the 1980s. What I really liked about that uh, cutback is, was that a wide-angle shot that we have on Frank the whole way? Is that what that is? I think so. When he's uh, when he's walking to the car, yeah, and going to the store, yep, yeah, all that is a wide. It was a wide lens, yeah. Yeah, I I did read that they changed uh, the lens type, the size for that scene to give it kind of an older feel. This is also the only time. Uh, the director liked to use practical effects throughout this whole movie. The only time he used a digital effect in this movie was that green grass. Oh, sure. Because they couldn't get the get grass green enough. Right. Uh, it looked kind of Tim Burton-y to me mm-hmm. when he walked out. Um, so it shows us Frank and his routine. Fucking creepy. 
Fucking creepy. And I thought when we got to this bit, uh, okay, here comes my backstory. Here's why the house is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Eh. I thought it was interesting to see kind of the neighborhood when it was prosperous, when it was, you know, it looked nice. Everything was good. Everybody had clean cut grass. And you got the hint from one of the neighbors of this neighborhood's about to go downhill and we're getting out when we can get out. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did find the bit where Frank finds his victim and then he infiltrates the house and then he walks in and unlatches the window. I thought that was a pretty creepy touch. Oh, yeah. Did you? He leaves immediately. Yes. Did you get a call out to another horror franchise? No. Uh, The overalls that he puts on and the style of the way he has his hair. Michael Myers? It's supposed to be a call out to Michael Myers. Oh, I see it now. Now that you say that, mm-hmm. I can see it. Mm-hmm. When Frank uh, leaves, he goes back home, and he goes back into the house, and we get the we get the vintage look of the house, and then he walks down the hallway to the end of the hallway. He opens up that basement door, and we get a scream. It's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I mean, you knew that was coming. They had to set it up. And less is more, and they don't yep. gratuitously show us, yep. which I appreciate it. But yeah, you knew that this house was just fucked. In the present, the mother locks Tess and AJ in a hole. Tess tells AJ that the mother wants them to act as her children. AJ is dragged away by the mother, who forcibly breastfeeds him. Tess uses this opportunity to escape the house with the help of Andre, the homeless man from earlier, who warns her that the mother will come for her after nightfall. With the mother distracted by Tess's escape, AJ finds a room where the mother refuses to approach. Inside, he finds a bedridden Frank and assumes him to be another victim of the mother. AJ assures Frank that he will call the police. Before finding evidence of Frank's crimes, Frank kills himself with a concealed revolver. So uh, we're back to the present, and uh, it's Justin Long gets the baby bottle. The oh. baby bottle incident, and then because he freaks out so much, she drags him off. Right, because she has to manually breastfeed him. Yep. This, I think we also get... Uh, our first introduction besides Keith's head getting slammed in the wall, that mother seems to have like extraordinary strength and abilities because she just lifts him up and just drags him off. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they, yeah. Not that I need them to explain it. I'm still having a hard time with it being a mother, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just me. So she makes him breastfeed, which this whole time I'm thinking is kind of weird. Creepy, yes, absolutely. And I did think of The Last Jedi when Luke squeezes those things and gets the green milk. Oh, yeah. That's where it took me. But Tess, being smart as a whip. She gets out of the hole. And takes this opportunity to get the fuck out of Dodge, right? And uh, she sees Andre through the window, right? But she can't, they can't get out. So she breaks the window because the door's locked again, the basement door. And Andre helps her out. And this is kind of where we get uh, the urban legend, if you will, or kind of an explanation of what this thing is. Well, Andre sees everything. Yeah. Um, And he's telling her, you better get out of here because she'll come looking for you after dark. Well, my first thought was the fact that Andre even tells her that this guy has been bringing women in and... Uh, raping them, and then he's been raping the children that he's had with them. And so this is an inbred mess. 
at no time did Andre go to the cops during this, or maybe he did and he got ignored, kind of like Tess does. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe for him it was somewhat urban legend stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Enough yeah, that I, he was, it, didn't want her going in that house. Well, I feel like he's seen her before, too. And that's got to be a trip, right? Yeah. See, You see, see something like that and what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Before we go too much further, I thought it was a great idea to have Tess alert mother because of AJ's tape, measuring tape, you know, the the, the, the aluminum uh, foil tape that, that tips mother off that Tess is out in the in the corridor. Right. And so it, it was great, and I was so satisfied to have Tess just barely get out and have mother be right there just, just missing her. Right, right. Uh, good way of building tension. And so uh, with mother chasing Tess, AJ decides to leave as well or try to get the fuck out of Dodge. And he stumbles upon Frank. It was such an interesting uh, reveal. Why is there this bell in the corridor? And there, why, why, why is there power here? And he follows it, right? And you're thinking, I'm thinking, this can't be going anywhere good. Oh, God, no. And, and the fact that he decides to go in despite mother not pursuing him in, how in the world could you be thinking, I'll be okay? But maybe he just liked the idea that she went away and that was enough for him. But I didn't, I didn't take any solace or comfort of him going into the room with mother backing away. No, not at all. Uh, something frightened her or something keeps her out of the room. And it's her dad, grandfather, uncle person. Mm -hmm. What a fucking fucked up room. Yeah, the whole thing was fucked up. When I first saw this whole scene, it kind of brought up an issue to me of why is Frank down there? What's going on? But then I thought of you, Don, and thought, well, not because of Frank. But, wow, thanks, buddy. But I thought of how you always tell me, don't read too much into it. You don't need to know everything going on. You don't need to know why Frank's been down there. The fact that he has a gun, why did he, ne if he's being held hostage down there, why did he not shoot the mother? Uh, you know, what's going on with this whole situation? Why did he even go down to live there in the, the first place? But like I said, I, I thought of the whole thing of just don't read too much into it. Yeah, sure. Um, I As soon as you find out it's Frank, you know that, I mean, he's been doing this for however long, and this is where he's at. Uh, and the bit where Justin Long finds all the video cassettes. Well, where did the video sets come from? Well, there was a video uh, recorder in the other room in a bed and stains and buckets and you knew it couldn't be good. And I appreciate that they didn't have to show us what was on the tape. Yes. And I appreciate yes. and, and I appreciate Justin Long watches it for half a second and says, What the fuck? and turns it off right away. But the fact that they didn't show us and they're letting us the audience use our imagination makes it a thousand times worse. Mm -hmm. So uh I, I kind of knew that was coming. I thought when Frank pulled out the gun, I thought he was going to shoot Justin Long. That's what I thought too. Keep his, you know, keep keep silence or whatever. But I guess you're right. Uh, Justin Long says he called the cops or whatever, so it was only a matter of time. Yeah, the, I kind of went to the same thing of thinking, what is he going to do with the gun? Is he going to try to shoot Mother and then Mother's going to kill him? Or is, you know, so what was going to go on there? But then when I thought about it later... 
Justin Long said the whole thing about the cops are on their way. This means Frank's going to be found guilty. Frank's going to go to jail. The only thing he can do is off himself. At well, point. but Frank's fucking half dead. So, yeah. I mean, does it really fucking matter? So that's why I think he can't run. He can't get out of the bed. So he might as well just shoot himself. Yeah, maybe. Now, meanwhile, during this time, we do have Tess talking to the police, and they are very slow to believe her story. Mm-hmm. They don't believe it at all, or they don't even care because of the neighborhood. Tess leads police to the house, but they dismiss her story and leave as night falls. Tess breaks into the house, retrieves her car keys, and rams the mother with her car, seemingly killing her. Tess returns to the basement to rescue AJ. AJ, assuming her approaching footsteps are the mother's, mistakenly shoots her with Frank's gun. The two escape and find that mother has vanished. Tess and AJ then take shelter with Andre. Andre explains that the mother is a product of Frank's multi-generational incest and his victims. The mother bursts in, kills Andre, and chases Tess and AJ up a water tower. AJ loses his gun and pushes Tess off the water tower to save himself. The mother jumps after her and shields her from the fall. AJ finds Tess is still alive, but as he tries to rationalize his actions to Tess, the mother revives and gouges his eyes out, killing him. The mother attempts to comfort Tess, but she remorsefully shoots the mother dead with Frank's gun and limps away as the sun rises. Roll credits. So Tess gets out. She's talking to Andre. And then she does what we've kind of been saying from the beginning of the movie. Call the fucking cops. But when the cops show up, they're assholes. They're they're really slow to believe because she looks like any other bum out there on the street in a shitty neighborhood. True that. True that. You also get the background noise and, and basically saying that there's more a more exciting crime going on. There's like a shooting going on. And these cops keep kind of looking in that direction to see that they don't want to be there. They want to be at this other incident. Yeah. I, but I also see where they're coming from. You have this woman standing outside of this pristine house and she has terrible shoddy clothes on. And to them, they don't know if she should be believed because how can she prove any of it? And you're saying that you want us to get in there and what's it going to be? What's going to be in there? I, I understand their skepticism. And I also know that the Detroit police, they are seriously outnumbered. They, they are a very small force and it takes a long time for police to show up. And sometimes they may not show up for a day. And it's not like they can just burst in without a warrant or anything, right? So their hands are technically kind of tied. So they fuck off and Tess does what she feels is the right thing. Which AJ would not have done. And it's dusk now. And so she gets her car keys and she drives the car into the mother. Uh, did you think at any point that this might have done anything to the mother or killed her or stopped her? Or? Oh, I thought it uh, stopped her for like five seconds. So I was kind of curious. So, so Tess, you know, she breaks into the house. She grabs the keys. She goes right back out to the car. She doesn't grab her bags. And she backs the car around. And then mother comes bursting out. And then it's at that moment, I think Tess decides, floor it, and I'm going to kill her. 
was she really leaving? She wasn't expecting Mother to come bursting out of the house at that time. Yeah, she maybe she was leaving. Maybe she assumed that AJ was dead mm. and she was out. Or she could be going to get more help. Either or. Maybe. She was she was leaving. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I kind of think too. But with Mother coming out right at that moment, she's she is okay, let's just let's do this now. And then so uh she pins Mother against the house. This is kind of what I was saying earlier. I feel like they're giving mother a superhuman vibe that, I mean, she can survive with no injuries getting smashed into a house. Oh, I'm so unimpressed with this monster at this moment. I didn't even fucking care anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, and right at this time, this is where Frank shoots himself. We're going back and forth between the two stories of AJ and Tess, back and forth, back and forth. Right. So Frank's dead, and uh. And it looks like mother might be dead, but I knew she wasn't. No, seemingly no. no she's yeah, not at least of course not. Pinned and stuck. Right at at best, pinned and stuck. And you could see it coming a mile away. Mile away. Tessa's going to go downstairs. AJ's going to hear footsteps. Frank and he has Frank's gun. I thought he was going to kill her, but it turns out she's not dead. I thought for sure she got shot in the forehead. Uh, something like that, absolutely. Or I, the heart or the stomach where she bleeds out and dies in his arms or something. I thought the head as well. Yeah. Yeah, so you see the cell phone light, and it's like, oh, shit, don't do it. And then, uh, bam. And then you see her go down, bam. And she's like, fuck you. You killed her? Fuck you. Yeah, but smartly, the filmmakers just make it a flesh wound. And um, she survives, and they make it outside, and they're what, with what? Andre. And mother's not there. No, mother is gone. This scene coming up reminded me of another movie where Andre is kind of explaining to them the whole history of everything. And then even says, it starts getting into the whole, you're safe here. She's never come in here. She won't come in here. Did it give you a Samuel Jackson vibe from another certain shark movie? Uh, Kind of, I guess, now that you say that. Um, Because mother jumps in here. And right. just kills him immediately. And just kills him immediately. Yeah. But what was also nice in, in this moment was we get a nice little backstory of what the fuck mother is. Mm-hmm. I, I guess. I think we'd already put the pieces together. Well, I don't know if I had put... I, I put together that Frank was a fucking sadistic bastard, and that could have been one of his captives, but the whole incest thing I didn't, I didn't put together until it, <laughs> they told it to me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess. But Creepy, I, yes. Disgusting, yes. But and, I guess. And, 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 you know, the it's almost comical, the whole bit with, you know, she ain't, she's ain't getting, she's not getting in here. And then, bam, right through the wall. And then what does she do? She rips his fucking arm off and she beats him to death with his own fucking arm. I can't tell you how many movies someone has threatened that. I'm going to rip off your fucking arms and beat you to death with it. Um, but I thought that was kind of comical. Yeah. So they climb up the water tower. And this is kind of where things kind of took a turn as well. And AJ, of course, shows his true colors. Did you? I did not. That was kind of another oh fuck moment. I did not expect AJ. I mean, I knew he was a creep. I knew he was a douchebag. I didn't expect him to push Tess. As soon as he grabs her and says uh, (laughs) what I always say about being attacked by zombies, I don't have to be faster than a zombie. I just have to be faster than you, right? So that's basically what he's Mm -hmm. saying. And he throws her off the fucking tower. As soon as he threw her off the tower, I went, mother's going to follow her. 
Mother's going to be underneath her. They're not going to be dead. And AJ's going to get his. Because there's no way they let AJ live as a character. There's no way. I thought maybe they were going to do... I mean, I didn't think Mother was going to die at this point. I thought maybe something was going to happen to Tess. I thought maybe this was going to be one of those twist endings where the bad guy gets to live. Did you catch the time that AJ put the knife into his belt and then fumbled it and dropped it? He did the exact same thing with the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it was so predictable that that was going to happen. You're good. And he gets it out. And whoop, 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 Whoopsie-daisy, because that would be too fucking easy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, so, mother doesn't die. She shields somehow. But that, this really bothered me that, again, she falls all the way off the tower, has Tess land on top of her on the cement, and still gets up again. The whole bit on top of the water tower, and, you know, that was the ultimate last slimy thing for him to do. You know, I can get away, but you're going to have to slow her down type of thing. Wow. Totally. <laughs> just to- wow. <laughs> yeah, just totally. I, 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 it was jaw-dropping that you would do that to her. I would. I have to admit, I was a little bit taken in by AJ's story along the way, especially in the bar sequence and then the drunken call and seeing Frank. I thought maybe AJ was on a slow redemption arc that he was starting to see how much of a creep he was and that he was kind of like Frank. And here he had a chance to turn his life around up until the point he pushes Tess off the water. Oh, no, he's still an asshole. And uh, frankly, I, I think that that is such bullshit that Tess lives from that fall. Agreed. It's absurd. Agreed. Uh, how long do How long do you think she fell for? Well, I guess uh, it was slow motion. I know, right? But I mean, I don't know, fifteen seconds, five seconds. I mean, I, I I don't know how tall the water tower is to begin with, but I do know at the rate that she was falling, and by the time Mother jumps off, there's no way she catches her. No, because Tess is falling at her speed, and Mother is falling at the same speed. There's no way that mother can pass her on the way down. Right. Unless she's superwoman. No. No. So I, I, I did a little bit of research, and a standard water tower could be anywhere from 120 to 160 feet. All right. So falling from a water tower that's anywhere from 120 to 160 feet, you, you've heard of terminal velocity? Yes. So terminal velocity, that is when you are going as fast as you're going to go. That takes 12 seconds. But that water tower... If you were to fall for 12 seconds, you would have fallen mm, 1,400 feet. That's not 1,400 feet. So if that water tower is 130 feet, then it would take her approximately three seconds, three or four seconds. And then from there, she's going 50 miles an hour. If I got hit by a car going 50 miles an hour, I am dead. Oh, yeah. I also got shot as well. So there's no way that she would have loved. I can explain exactly how mother saved Tess. I'm fucking all ears, bud. It was a mother's love. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah. Sweet, buddy. Mother's love can do anything. I like that. So, uh, they fall. And this was the other oh fuck moment uh, when uh, she, when mother finally kills AJ. She splits his head open. She splits his fucking head open. I immediately thought of Bone Tomahawk. And I then I said to myself again, 
professor picked this? <laughs> well, for me, there was another kind of right in the beginning here, another callback to another movie that Justin Long was in. Did you catch that? Live Free or Die Hard? No, Jeepers, Jeepers Creepers. Creepers. Because in Jeepers Creepers, the creeper uh, cuts out Justin Long's eyes. Yeah. So that's what I thought of when he got his eyes poked out is, oh, are they kind of doing a throwback to that? But then, yeah, she just rips them in half. Yeah. Yeah. Or rips them a new one. That's what I think. She rips them a new one. <laughs> and then uh, Tess gets the gun, shoots mother. Did you think she was dead after that that shot? Where she shot her in the head, didn't yes. she? We what? never saw the gun go off, though. We hear it, because don't they go to another scene and you just hear the bang? I Fuck, I don't remember. I watched it last night. I'm just saying that everything that Mother goes through, is one shot enough? Probably not, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees. I, they can go on and on and on. Exactly. I kind of appreciated, I think, uh, Georgina's acting at this point, that you can see part of her doesn't want to shoot. The mother, you kind of see her going through that and her facial expressions and everything. She feels a little remorse towards I, the mother. The mother just saved her life. And the mother, if you think about it, she's not really a villain in this movie. She's a victim. She basically has been raised in a tunnel by an obscene, horrible man. She doesn't know right from wrong. She's obviously mentally dis- deficient in some way. She's never had any capabilities she's been watching a video about mothers so she wants to be a mother and she's showing kind of a motherly sense a motherly love for tess so for me that's one of the things i think that really spoke to me about this movie is that even though mother was portrayed as the monster i don't think she was the villain of this movie okay did you guys see that at all i mean did you see any kind of redemption of the mother no i shoot her in the fucking head every fucking time Mm. Did you see what she did to Bill Skarsgård? Yeah, but she, she, not, yeah, but she doesn't know better. Oh, okay. So we should leave her alive. That's that's a good idea. Shark doesn't know better either. Would you jump in the water with one? No, but I wouldn't blame a shark for eating a person. I don't. I don't blame. I wouldn't call the shark the villain. If it's me or the shark, shark's got to go. Yeah, that's that's the point. That's true. But at that point, she wasn't going to kill Tess. But she was going to kill others, possibly. How do we don't know if she's killed others? How many other people have stayed in that Airbnb? They what? never say. Why does she leave the house at night? She goes out scavenging. I, I would guess to get food for Frank, to get food for herself, for whatever reasons. We don't know if she's ever. Killed she has the else. wherewithal to go get food for her and Frank. That would be my thought. How is Frank? <laughs> how is Frank surviving down in that bed? But she doesn't go into the fucking room. How is she going to give him his food? I, I assume that's what the bell was for. He'd ring the bell when he's hungry and she would bring him the food. But she doesn't. He would, he would probably abuse her and that's why she was afraid of the room. I don't know. I shoot the mother in the fucking head nine times out of ten. Did I say nine times out of ten? Ten, ten times out of ten, ten I'm shooting the mother in the fucking head. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we are basically at the end of the movie. Uh, have you heard whether or not the director wants to do a sequel or a prequel? No. Um, I guess... Neither makes sense, but go ahead, please. Uh, when approached by it, Zach has said no. No sequel, no prequel. But if he had to do a sequel, his idea for the sequel was that the mother lives. Somehow the gunshot doesn't kill her. She uh, has to integrate into society. She attends community college, gets her learner permit, and sets up a Tinder profile. That sounds like a fucking joke. 
Yeah. That's what that sounds like. He basically said he would turn it into a complete comedy, a, a really dark comedy, and he meant it as a joke as well. I could see them doing a prequel, kind of like giving us a little bit of background, making Frank the big villain, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like you always say, Don, it's not needed. No, not at all. And plus, I've seen it. It's called Dahmer. It's called Ed Gein. It's called John Wayne Gacy. It's called Ted Bundy. Yeah, I've seen him. So. Yeah, and what's that prequel going to give us? Is it going to give us the story of Gabby or Very Fat or One Breast or Asian Biter or Gas Station Redhead? What the fuck are you reading there, guy? Those are some of the videotapes. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> no, that's, that's very good. I'm thinking, what the fuck's wrong with the professor? I, I was thinking more of, it would answer my questions of, you know, why, you know, he's obviously brought a lot of victims down there. What happened to those victims? We don't see any bones. We don't see any clothing. Why do you want to know? Did they escape? Did they? No. If they escaped, he probably would have been caught, right? And then how mother came to be, like how many generations of inbreeding? Why do you want to know that? Because she's so superhuman. It's interesting just what's going on down there. So it could, it's interesting, interesting on what's going on down there? No, it's not. I think it could be a story behind it. No. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'm so glad you got so much more out of this movie than we did. Or I did. I shouldn't speak for you, Professor. I apologize. So there you have it. That was Barbarian. So looking at this movie, uh, the movie being called Barbarian, do you know what group did not have a barbarian in the fellowship? No. Who was that, buddy? Lord of the Rings. <sighs> Oh, brother. I should have fucking saw that, right, bud? <laughs> and now it's time for John's... Moment. This is the point in our podcast where I compare the movie we are currently reviewing to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. To start off with, Tess would be our Frodo. As she tells Keith... She's on a journey to start her life over, and she's hoping that this job opportunity will fix things. In the overall scheme of the story, she's really on a journey of self-empowerment, and it's hinted by some of the things that come up in her conversations with Keith. Later on in the movie, Tess takes on more of a leadership role when she tries to save AJ, so she definitely displays Aragorn qualities during the second half of the movie. Tess is basically on her own for the majority of the movie, so really for me, there was no Samwise in this movie. Originally, I was going to put Keith as Tess's Samwise, but since he dies so quickly and gives off vibes of, can we really trust this guy? I've decided he's more of a Boromir. Andre, the homeless man who tries to help Tess, giving her advice and guiding her to safety, this puts him in a role of Gandalf. And just like Gandalf, while trying to shield Tess and AJ, he loses his life. That would make our fellowship Tess, Keith, and Andre. Regarding AJ, I struggled a bit to place him. But when I broke down his qualities and his role in the film, it felt pretty obvious. He's selfish, narcissistic, and plays a victim even after admitting his own crimes. And while he appears to try to help Tess... He turns around and betrays her when it's in his best interest. So that makes AJ our golem. 
And just like the ring is precious to Gollum, for AJ, it's his good life and reputation that he covets even more than the lives of the people he hurt. Now, where do I put the mother? She was a victim of circumstances. Was she inherently evil? No. She saw what she was doing as good, trying to be a mother to test. Saruman the White used similar logic in betraying his comrades in Lord of the Rings. He saw Sauron as a savior for Middle-earth, a way to establish order, and therefore felt he was doing the right thing. So the closest comparison to the mother, in my opinion, would be Sauron the White. Sauron would be the one that puts everything in motion. He created all the dangers our fellowship had to face. That would be Frank. His evil deeds created the mother and victimized many. So what is the precious? What is the one ring? In Barbarian, the best analogy or comparison to the one ring is self-interest. Basically, throughout the movie, we see characters only interested in helping themselves. The only ones who initially demonstrate putting others before themselves early on is Keith and Andre. Otherwise, everyone else, even Tess, focuses from the beginning on themselves and their own well-being. Tess early on mistrusts Keith, but as the story progresses, she tries to save Keith and later returns to the house to save AJ when she could have just walked away. AJ, Frank, and the mother all focus on themselves. You might say that the mother cared for Tess, but she just wanted a baby. And Tess, and if Tess had acted like Keith, who's to say she would have let her live? So there you have it, my comparison of Barbarian to Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades. What you got there, guy? Well, Frodo's pretty obvious. And kind of like the Gandalf as well. And I was pondering if maybe AJ might have been worm, worm tongue, but Gollum works as well. The uh, the One Ring, yeah. The uh, uh, Saruman, the White, and Sauron. I saw that coming as well. So I'm gonna go C plus. C plus from the professor. Um, I thought that the Frodo correlation was good. Uh, you're right. There was really no Sam. So uh, you you left that out no mary pippin no gimli no legolas and a small cast right so i thought that uh worm tongue is a very interesting uh parallel and um but i i do fully agree with the Gollum analogy for sure uh as far as sauron and sauron I don't know, uh, the mother as Saruman, right? Saruman the White. Uh, Maybe. I mean, victim of circumstance. I don't know if he was, but I mean, she's definitely, you know, not inherently evil. Uh, Definitely Frank as uh, Sauron, though. Right, no-brainer there. I'm going to give you, good sir, a C. What, nothing witty to say? I want to just take the grade and run. And that was John's moment. All right, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick. Johnny, ready to rate this flick? You don't have to shove an inbred boob in my face to get me excited. (laughs) Uh, I think that wins. Hey, Professor, 
How do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. A one fuck movie is a movie where you watch it, you're one and done. You're never going to watch it again. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is a movie you get done watching it, and after it's over with, you're thinking, oh, for shit's sake. What the hell? Why would you make me watch? I want one hour and 42 minutes of my life back. Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. All right there, uh, Professor Johannesson. Your movie, your review. So Barbarian is definitely a dark, dark movie. And I am looking forward to moving past this movie so it doesn't have to continue to take up space in my brain. I, I, I want it out. I've lingered on it for several days. The, uh, the story, I think, is very smartly written. The directing, I think, is done very well. I also think that the character of Tess is, is a rich character. The movie opens, as I stated, very effectively. Keith is so nebulous as to, is he somebody that I should trust or not? And so the, the introduction of Tess and Keith together and then to have the story take such a hard left turn into, you know, you know, hell. Oh my gosh. I, 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 what a roller coaster ride. The music is so wonderfully creepy and there are lots of exciting, I think, effective camera shots. And the movie I think is just a very, very good horror movie. I have little desire to watch it again anytime soon because it's such a dark story. And the way that the movie ends, uh, well, okay. The, you know, if, if you're falling from more than 50 feet, you're dead. And so the ending came off kind of sort of hokey. Uh, I think that AJ totally gets what he deserves. And, you know, there's no, there's, there's no ill feelings, no bad feelings about Jay, uh, AJ finally dying. So other than the, the, I don't want to say clunky ending, but other than the ending having it be a, a little too absurd when so much of the movie was smartly written and explanations are given to so many questions that you have in the story as it unfolds before us. I'm giving it a solid four fucks. Four, four fucks from the professor. All right, what do you think? You or me, tough guy? I can go next if you like. It's up to you. Well, I think I will go next, but before I do... Do you want it? It's been a few weeks. Do you think you can guess my rating? Um, so uh, just by the way you've been talking about it and uh, kind of the way you and I have been going back and forth, I'm going to say you like this movie way more than I did. So I'm going to say you are giving this four fucks. Is that your final answer? No, 4.25 fucks. 4.25. Yep. It's not very often that a horror movie comes along that keeps me guessing. It's even less often that the monster in a horror movie elicits a bit of sympathy. Barbarian does an amazing job at both of these. The movie sets us up, or at least maybe just me, to think that something is possibly sinister about Keith. But then it goes to the next level. It cleverly weaves a level of abuse, making the viewer question who really is the baddest of the bad, and hint, to me, it's Frank. But AJ, he's not much better. 
It gives us a monster in the mother, but really she's a victim as well. A victim of abuse all her life, raised not knowing right from wrong, but still a mother's love and protection comes from her. She's more animal than she is human. Visually, Barbarian sets up incredibly well. From the rundown neighborhood to the creepy basement area and finally the claustrophobic tunnels, everything is designed well to elicit the right emotions from us, the viewer. The acting, that's also really done well. Georgina does a great job as Tess, expressing fear, anger, and remorse at the end. It wasn't difficult to read what she was feeling at any point in the movie. She does other final girls proud. Bill was also good, but I wish we would have gotten a little bit more from him. Justin Long is always a pleasure in any film he's in, and I'm even including Tusk. And Matthew Patrick Davis, who portrayed Mother, in the way that even under all those prosthetics, you could understand what she was feeling and her emotions at different times. Beyond Beyond all of that, there were some flaws that prevent a five-fuck rating. Some parts seemed to drag. I didn't need as much of a buildup in the beginning and would have liked a little bit more of the underground sequences. Questions arose like, if Frank's been doing this for decades, where's the bodies? Where are the bones? Why is mother alone? And if Frank had the gun... Why hadn't he used it to free himself or end things earlier? And Mother falling off the water tower to the hard cement below, how did she still get up? That part, as we've mentioned earlier, was the most unbelievable part of this entire movie. All these things would be answered maybe in a prequel, but we'll never get to know because that's never coming according to the director. So with all of that, I'm giving Barbarian four and a quarter fucks. Coming back, baby. Coming back. 4.25 fucks from the comic book guy. Four solid fucks from the professor. I guess it's my turn. You go next. Barbarian opens brilliantly. Uh, The writing is smart. Uh, The first half of the movie kept me intrigued. Uh, I like the suspense that it built. I like the shots that were taken. And then... We cut to Justin Long's character and everything just falls apart for me. Uh, I don't like the villain. I don't like the monster. Uh, Justin Long's character, though really douchey, um, I don't know if it's needed. I thought that there was an opportunity to do something with a mysterious Airbnb. Don't trust anybody i think i would have liked it better if bill skarsgård was the villain i don't know it it kind of to me couldn't decide what kind of movie it wanted to be uh did it want to be a monster movie did it want to be uh just a straight up horror movie it 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 was just kind of a mess in my opinion um there are some redeemable qualities absolutely i thought uh georgina who played Tess, did a magnificent job and was definitely the bright spot of this film i thought that she was a smart uh brave caring compassionate final girl and you know i thought she did uh, an amazing job justin long played a good douchebag uh bill skarsgård how however so brief it was did a good job the music was good 
But for me, at the end of the day, am I ever going to watch this movie again? No. If someone asks me would I recommend it, I'd say, well, check it out. It's a 93% on Rotten Tomato. Uh, You both loved it. Uh, Apparently, I'm missing something. But, you know, opinions are like assholes, right? Uh, For me, I am going to give Barbarian two fucks. Very different from us. Yeah. Well, every movie affects people differently. And that's Mm -hmm. the beauty movies so with two fucks from me four and a quarter fucks from the comic book guy and four solid fucks from the professor that gives barbarian an average of 3.4 fucks which puts it in the 18th spot tied with tango and cash tremors oceans 12 summer school it and it chapter two it is slightly better than the greatest showman big and mall rats and slightly worse than Big Trouble in Little China, Heat, The Peanut Butter Falcon, and Little Miss Sunshine. So that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out our website. Speaking of which, hey, John, where can they find us? Well, as always, they can find us at www.threeguysinaflick.com, where we go ahead and post all of our podcasts, show notes, blog articles, and there's a place on there where you can go ahead and submit the movie you would like us to review next. You can find us at all of social media and any place that hosts podcasts. All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I want to thank anyone else who listens and who has suggested a movie. I also want to throw two special shout-outs to two of our listeners who I know are listening now overseas. Nolan, who's over in Turkey, and Arcady, who's in Madrid. You guys keep listening, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. That's what happens when I start working on the notes and do the plot before I've seen the movie. Oh, dude. Hey, it's this process, man. But sometimes I just copy and paste it and I don't even read it. Like this one, I tried not to even read. Yeah, well, I just copy and pasted it. I'm just saying. It's his process. He can do whatever he wants. All right, let's get back into it. <clears throat> All right, let's get back into character. I thought that it was a great, uh, it was a great idea to have... But that doesn't bother you if it happens to Jason? Or he's? Now are we into a supernatural film? Or that's what I'm saying. It's just I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I think somehow Frank has given birth to Superwoman. Uh, I think that wins. Do you want to hear the other one? I don't is it better than that one? No. Because it can't be, but go ahead. Mother may I? Oh fuck off, dude. The boob one was way better. Way, way way better. better. All right. What do you guys think? I'm done. <laughs> well, I've said pretty much everything I wanted to say. Well, I know. I know. What about you? Do you want to tell us any more about the mother? No, I just missed my hat. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of things I can say to that, buddy, but I'm just going to say this. I figured she'd keep you safe. She didn't remind me to bring my hat. Because she doesn't like the hat, bud. That's okay. probably why. 
That's not probably. Uh, you got one? This was a tough one, but I did come up with one. I think I have one that I just came up with right now. Probably not any good. Uh, you love this fucking movie. You got a poor name for it? No. <laughs> I was just thinking Barbarian Her. I was thinking Boobarian. 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 Is that too much like Aryan? Or I was thinking In Barbarian. In Barbara. Or In Barbara. Ah, there you in go. Barbara. There you go. All right, may all of your uh, days and nights be filled with happiness. All right, fuck off, good night.